Touchdown, Travis Kelsey! From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. And I can hear this time. Well done. <laughs> Kansas City wins 13-7. to Not the game we expected, definitely. Uh, no. Um, Matt, did it look as... Um, lackluster might be a nice way to put it to you as it did to the rest of us. Yeah, I think we're we're all in lockstep on that one. Um, this was a pretty sleepy game, I guess, in keeping with the the fallback theme of the day. Because, um, yeah, I don't think that it didn't seem like there was a lot of excitement during the game. Uh, didn't necessarily seem like there was a ton of excitement after the game. I, I think that the maybe the most energetic we saw anybody all game was when the the the, the Chiefs. When Mahomes and and Hill hooked up for that clinching first down, um, you saw some emotion from the quarterback and from from the players. But other than that, no, I mean this was, um, I think all the spirit of you would expect from a thirteen to seven ball game. The one thing I will say going into this game is Kansas City has turned the ball over so much. To not turn it over in this game, I think was key. Uh, obviously, that's the only way that they could win uh, is not turning the ball over, and they forced the Packers into multiple turnovers or. Basically, turnovers, I guess. It was uh, it, it was interesting to see. Um, normally, I would be complaining about a 13-point output, but given the track record of turning the ball over to the other team, I think that that's a positive, and I think they did it in a little bit different way, Matt. Like, offensively, obviously not firing on all cylinders like we've seen in years past, but was this was this more static, or, or did they take a step forward in, in organization at the very least? Well, I mean, I think there's going to still be a lot of questions coming out of this game offensively about where this team is and and what's going on. Um, but I mean, defensively, I think is where you could really say that they made some strides in this game. Um, Melvin Ingram looks like a really key addition. I mean, uh, he was very productive, um, playing a lot of third down situations and obviously passing down situations. They weren't asking him to do a whole lot, but you know what? In the, in the one situation where he was out there in a, in a running running play, he made a really nice stop. Um, I think once this guy is fully up to go, I mean, I think that's going to be a really big addition. You saw that with Ingram here, the Chiefs are more willing to put Chris Jones back on the inside. So mm-hmm. when you've got Melvin Ingram, Chris Jones, and Frank Clark on the field, all healthy and productive, that's going to be a really good front. And, and I think you saw the beginnings of that. Even with the caveat that, hey, this, is, this was Jordan Love tonight, there's there's some masters to be had there. But uh, the, the pass rush was really productive. Um, probably really unheralded to me. I just didn't hear enough people talking about it other than, you know, Sneed with with two nice plays in the second half is that Legereus Sneed and Chaveris Ward were pretty much matched up on Devontae Adams all night long and locked him up. I mean, the, the Packers were trying to go to him 14 times. They targeted mm-hmm. him and only six receptions for, I think, 42 yards. That's big. I mean, and, and, and Legereus even told us after the game that, you know, that was what Spags's mantra was this week is that you've got to shut down Devontae Adams. And they absolutely did that. So I, I thought that defensively, this team took some really big strides uh, in this game. Offensively, there is still a lot of things to figure out. I will say this defensively. I would feel a lot better about the pressure if they had not blitzed, what, 20 times probably throughout the game? I think that's really what stood out to me is with them blitzing as much as they did. Uh, you would hope that they would get more pressure and more hits and more sacks. Yeah, I think that, at the same time, I think that the, the blitzes were well-timed for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, I, they've certainly brought some zero blitzes even at times, and, and those all seem to be appropriate. 
Um, didn't really, I thought, get bit that badly. Maybe once or twice they got bit by the blitz a little bit. Um, but other than that, it was it, it was extremely productive. And I and I don't think you would normally see that if it wasn't for it being a an inexperienced quarterback. You know, Jordan Love's not a rookie by any stretch, but at the same time, he's very inexperienced. And and I think Spags wanted to capitalize on that. So definitely, he just wanted to, as he talked about this week, defend the scheme. Um, but at the same time, he saw the opportunity to rattle a young guy, and and I think they did that, and they did it effectively. And good for them for attacking where they're weak. Um, I, I I do consider him a rookie, same as Lucas Niang, to tell you the truth. And did we get any update post game about Niang's condition? Um, still just mentioning the ribs, um, but he did go to the locker room, did not return to the field. Um, we'll we'll see what kind of you know long term you know impact that has. But yeah, that's going to be a, a question to, to keep on the uh, keep on the, on your mind because you know obviously didn't have Mike Rimmers. So could be down two tackles. Uh, we'll see what the, that injury is and how severe it is. But um, it didn't look real comfortable for Niang coming off. I mean, he was kind of uh, a little bit, um, I thought, a little bit unsteady coming off the field and then went straight to the medical tent and then straight to the locker room. Yeah, it, it definitely looked uncomfortable. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. And if I do, I know exactly the place that I'll do it because I have a computer run thing. I have a TV broadcast for another. I have a tablet that I watch film on. I can put it all together, and so can you, with our friends at DirecTV Stream. They take all of your media and all of your watching of anything and put it together on one platform. Makes things a whole lot easier, and it makes things simpler for you, too. Uh, take away some of the hassle. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it's the easiest way to get to all of your on-demand favorites as well as all your entertainment all in one place. It means no more hunting for a remote or hoping that you have the right device. In fact, you'll never need another device again. And the best part, there's, there's no annual contract means the juggling's over. You can get rid of the clutter. You can get rid of the confusion and check it all out on DirecTV Stream. You can find that at directtv.com. That's directtv.com for more. You need a compatible device. It is required. And content does vary by package. Now, packages are what came to mind for me. I thought that they did a pretty good job rotating the receivers in there. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of of extra tight end looks until later in the game. I thought they did a good job of running out of their base package. And I think the run actually affected them and set them up pretty quickly um, in, in the first half, especially the first 15. I was a little surprised they didn't use some quick game to kind of pepper in there. But how did you feel like the game got rolling? Yeah, well, I once again, I mean, I felt like the opening script was was very well executed. I mean, this is, a, I think, the second game in a row where the Chiefs come out and pretty much exhausted their opening script on the opening drive. I mean, another, you know, one of these 15-play long, um, almost eight-minute-long drives. And, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't what you expect of the Chiefs. It wasn't the flashy uh, five-play, 75 yards, and blitzkrieg down the field. But it was what they have to do right now, which is take what is given to them. And you saw that on the first drive, and it was very, very effective. Um, then I think you saw what has been a little bit of the, the downfall of this offense of late which has been, you know, the play calling got a little bit away from the run and and Patrick really wanted to take some shots deep. And he, he talked about after the game, um, there was even a couple of times, one play that I know really stood out that a lot of people were talking about was um, going to, to Hardman deep on, a, on a, one of, a corner route deep. And and you saw Kelsey was was open over the middle for a shorter gain. And, you know, and, and Patrick talked about the fact that, you know, he, he, he wanted to take the shot there. He thought he had a chance to hit Hardman. Um, he wanted to take it. And I, I think you're seeing that, you know, Patrick kind of in the mindset right now of he just feels like if they can get one of these deep balls that everything's going to be okay. And that's maybe where this offense is. They just feel like if they hit one of these 60-yard bombs that all their problems are going to be fixed and they're just fixated on that. 
And, and that's why I think you I felt like you saw it again. I mean, they get away from the, the stuff on the opening drive that was working so well, um, the short and intermediate passing game, the run game. And then it's, you know, let's take some shots deep. And at, at times it's just not working out. And, you know, and, and Andy Reid talked after the game that, hey, they're still making some mistakes too, which is, you know, you, you have the, the run plays on first down that dig you into a, you know, second and 11 hole. You can't do that. The penalties in the second half on a couple of drives really killed them. The one thing I thought popped up today that, you know, has been intermittent, but seemed like it was there in larger numbers today were the drops. Um, there were some really bad drops, you know, yep. from, from Hill, Kelsey. I think everybody contributed a little bit to the drops today. And, you know, is that totally on the receiver? Is it the quarterback? You know, hey, there's can always be a lot of blame to go around. But, you know, we talked about the little mistakes that this offense has been making and, uh, the drops, I think, were the one thing today that they left some drives and, sc- and points out there on the field by just not capitalizing with proper execution. Well, and one of the things that the broadcast kept talking about was how they were having, what, three three-and-out drives the entire season up to this point. And then in this game alone, I think they had four or five different three-and-out drives. And a lot of those three-and-out drives were, you know, some of them were runs for six or seven yards the first couple of plays and then two incomplete passes. And I would like to say that Patrick was off on some of them because he was, but at the same time, not only was he off on some of them, but then you have certain situations like McCall Hardman on a third down, Travis Kelsey on a third down, just dropping passes that are right in their hands. And you cannot drop those passes. You have to convert those plays and you have to be able to continue moving the chains. And that's something that they struggled with throughout the game. I want to bring this up, Matt, because I really want your take on it. I thought on his one target, and that's the basis of my issue, (laughs) on his one target, the DB made a great play and knocked the ball away from Josh Gordon. And I felt like, particularly in the red zone, they had him lined up as the widest, but still right on the hash kind of wide receiver, that if he just runs a simple pivot to the inside and back to the outside, Mahomes has him all day long in the corner by himself with a 50-50 ball expert that can take that ball away, and they never went back to him. Is this part of that blind spot, that fixation on taking the shots, or is there something else going on with Josh Gordon at this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to think a little bit of it is just the, the fixation on taking the shots and, and the progression just not being there. Because, I mean, you know, tell you what, if you look at just the distribution of where the passes are going, I mean, you got 19 targets for Kelsey at Hill. And he had six from Nicole Hardman. Um, there, I'm, I'm looking like looks like seven, eight for the re- running backs. Um, Mahomes is, is going. Uh, I mean, he's going to the guys he knows. I mean, and mm-hmm. that's been kind of the case in the past. That you know, when Mahomes does get into a little bit of these ruts, when the offense does get stuck, you know, Mahomes goes to the guys. He goes to Kelsey. And he goes to Hill. And tonight, that, that, this afternoon, this just wasn't working. I mean. Um, some of the throws were not just were not connecting. There were some drops in there too. Um, at the same time, I mean, you know, Kelsey, I thought had a couple of really nice moves. He, he had a couple of nice, really nice routes to get open. Uh, there were the kind of things that I mean, only Travis Kelsey can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- both those guys just have not been as productive as the Chiefs one need them to be, and two as productive as you know based on the amount of targets that they're getting. I mean, they're just not connecting with those two guys. And I, you know, I think it's easy to probably look at this and say, okay, well, you know what. You probably need to go elsewhere with the football. But I think it's pretty clear that, you know, when this offense has been struggling, Patrick is going to go to the guys that he trusts. And and Josh Gordon just hasn't been here long enough to become one of the guys that he trusts. 
And I get that, but at the same time, I think that's also part of the reason that Kelsey and Hill are struggling to a certain extent is because teams know that if they double those guys and they take them away, this offense is going to continue to struggle because McCole Hardman hasn't shown that he can take that step forward and be that number three guy. Or, you know, Pringle hasn't done that, and you don't have the running backs that can do that in the passing game. And I think that's where this offense is struggling the most. I think that if they could get Josh Gordon involved, and Ryan, I'm glad you brought that up, I thought it was a great play by the DB. I thought he could have gone after it a little bit more and attacked the ball. But, uh, you know, I think that they need to try to get Josh Gordon, you know, four or five passes in the first half next week just to get him in sync with the offense. Because if they can actually get him going, then it opens up things for Hill and Kelsey and it makes them be a lot more valuable to the offense. Yeah, and, you know, we've talked about, you know, maybe there's been some turning points for this team this season, you know. Um, certainly was talking, you know, hey, maybe uh, the Washington game could have been a turning point to this team, and it just didn't come through. Uh, if you want to look at this game for some turning points, I think there is an opportunity in looking at, the, frankly, the Chiefs' two best drives of the game. I mean, one was the opening drive, and the other was the closing drive. I mean, in between, they just didn't do much with the football. Um, and, and the final drive wasn't that flashy, but – you know, Andy, after the game, mentioned that he thought that that was vintage Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. Um, because you had you had Kelsey running a route where, you know, basically he just kind of psychs everybody out by, you know, running a little bit more deeper than, than, than the defenders were expecting him to. Just kind of sneaks everybody out to, to get open. And, I mean, that's, that's how, you know, Travis Kelsey adjusts on routes and how he kind of, you know, freelances a bit. And Mahomes, and when he are on the same page, that really, really works. And then I think most importantly is that third and five, Chiefs, you know, with the game on the line, Andy Reid decides to put the ball in the air. You know, it would have been very easy to just say, hey, run the football, run the clock down, kick it away if you don't get the first down, and leave the Packers with as little time as possible. Um, but he believed in he believed in his guys. He says, okay, we're going to put the ball in Mahomes' hand, and we're, we're going to design a play up for Hill. They get the penalty that pushes into third and ten. And what do they do? You know, it doesn't change. He keeps the exact same play in there. He says, hey, we're still going to do this. We're still going to run the exact same play. It's going to be Mahomes the Hill. And the Packers defended it well. You know, Mahomes bought a little bit more time, you know, to, to find Hill. And it worked. But I think that that could be a turning point. I mean, if this game ends up being that, hey, this was this was the end of the Chiefs struggling offensively and moving forward, it, it could very well be. That's the moment. You know, hey, when, when Reed says to his offense, I, I know you guys are struggling. But I'm going to put the ball in your hands. I'm going to let you guys do what you do. We're going to put the ball in the air uh, to put this game away. And, and there wasn't any doubt. I mean, he, he said, told us after the game there was no second-guessing that play, even after the penalty. They were still going to do the exact same thing. I, I left with a feeling like, oh, that's a glimpse of what they can be, even playing these, these deep defenses. That was more of them dealing with the way they should and maybe they can build on that going forward. Hopefully they're hungry, and I know you're hungry, Chris. I am hungry, as always, for Bill Bar. Bill Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. If you have not tried Bill Bar by now, you are definitely missing out. I do not know what you're doing. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. The Bill Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate. When you bite into it, you know you're getting something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Bill Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of being just purely delicious with so many different flavors. 
Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. It's a flush, Matt. <laughs> and we are back and we're better for a new web interface. BetOnline.ag is out there and ready to help you place your bets uh, on this football season and basketball season as it starts kicking off. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, and to your Vegas, your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Now, I know we've been talking about offense, and there's plenty to talk about when you start looking at this offense and what they've been doing. I do want to just flip it over to the defensive side for just a moment. I do think that it's because they played Jordan Love, I think the defense was able to be a little bit – obviously be a lot better than what they would have if they were playing Aaron Rodgers. But the one thing that stood out to me, at least early on in the game, was I didn't see Daniel Sorensen on the field for defensive snaps until really the second half. He may have been out there once or twice, but he wasn't out there like he normally is. Yeah, you know, and and I, this game I was actually tracking closely the the linebackers and the substitution packages um, specifically for this game. I kind of wanted to, to see some things, so I was uh, I don't normally do this. Um, but I was actually counting the snaps for the linebackers throughout the entire game. And and the Chiefs were actually r- remarkably consistent. I mean, um, first and second down, I mean, it was Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, and, and, and Anthony Hitchens. They were 4-3 base most of the time and first and second downs. Um, as the game wore on, there was a little bit more of, uh, you know, when they did go to two back sets, two linebacker sets, that it was Bolton – or, excuse me, it was Hitchens and Gay out there most of the time. Um, it, Ben Neiman was out there specifically, and Dan Sorensen almost entirely on third down packages. I mean, those were the two guys that were in the box basically as linebackers on third down. Um, I'm not sure that I even saw um, the the starting three on a third down the entire game. Um, I mean, it was exclusively, and certainly you saw a lot more Dan Sorensen in the second half when the, the Chiefs were putting their third down package out there on the field, even on first and second down when the Packers were in, in obvious passing situations during a lot of the second half. Um, there might have been a little, it might have been a cause of a little bit of problems at times because they had their passing defense out there when the Packers were still running the football. Um, so I think Jones and, and Dillard were both able to take advantage of some uh, light boxes when they had just Neiman and Sorensen out there. Um, but, you know, their substitution packages as far as the linebackers go, and I, and I put Sorensen into that conversation because – um, he was really, I mean, mostly what you saw of him was just as a, a dime linebacker on on third downs and in obviously passing situations. And that part was fine until the end, until you tried to have him drop high again and go back and forget the lessons learned in the last three games. Is this is this necessity? Is it trying to get to the dime? I saw a lot of concern from from the fans on social media that wanted been benched. He wasn't, folks. They went to the dime. All three of them were out there. But is this a continuation of the staff just feeling like they have to use him in some capacity? As a nickelbacker, I thought he performed fine. As a defensive back, I thought he was a problem. Again, and that certainly is too. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly over the last few games, they've they've narrowed Sorensen's scope down mm-hmm. to you know the point where he's not playing nearly the packages that he was before, and a lot of that is that you know, specifically what he's coming in for um, are three safety looks. You know, it might be some you know if they, he's playing high, it's because they probably have three guys in the back end, and he's just one of the three. And they've been letting him, you know, maintain exclusively his role as kind of that dime linebacker. So, hey, his his packages have have changed a little bit. And I don't think it's I think it's still mostly that they feel like that that's still a reliable role for him. That you know he's somebody that that can play on, on third downs. That he's somebody who can match up against running backs and tight ends and passing situations. That he can be a guy that you can bring on a blitz. You know, they feel like that can be his role. But I think you're right. I mean, you're. We're. Pro- I think we're at a point now where it's worth talking about. Is, is that even still a role? Because you know this, I, I the guys didn't talk about it afterwards. And you know, on the defensive side, but uh, I got to think that there's a little bit of disappointment in that they gave up that late touchdown. Uh, that they wanted to shut out, had a chance to get it, and and let's face it. I mean, that was busted, busted coverage, bad tackling that led to the mm-hmm. touchdown, and and then. Nobody was pointing figures. I mean, and, and Frank Clark was specifically asked and said and pointed to it and said, Hey, look, you know, Dan's played Wells for us, you know, especially the last couple of years. He's come up with big plays and says, Hey, you can have, uh, I think he said 11 bad, 11, 12, 13 bad plays in a row or good plays in a row and you just have one bad play. Well, the bad plays are kind of piling up for Dan. And um, I don't, I, 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 I don't think it's necessarily they're just trying to get him out there in any role. I mean, I think that they, they feel like that they're putting him in the situations where he can best succeed. The question is, is is he better than other options at this point? But the problem with where they had him in that specific play on that specific down is he wasn't lined up where he should have been. You saw that right before the ball was snapped. He was still moving, trying to get a position. And then he's going against a wide receiver, which is somebody he shouldn't be going against. Like you said, he should be covering tight ends and white ends, sorry, tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. But he's going up against Alan Lazard, who I'm not going to say is a great wide receiver, but he's good enough to be able to take advantage of that specific role. And I have to think that after seeing Sorensen play week in and week out, that offenses are going to continue to attack the guy that he's guarding if he's in a position where he is uh, matched up and there's a matchup nightmare. And that's exactly what the Lazard thing was. And, you know, one missed tackle and there's a touchdown and you're right. I, I think that the team did want a shutout and I'm sure I did see that somebody said Tyron Matthew is irate on the sideline, which doesn't surprise me, but I, they have to figure something out because they can't continue to put Sorensen in that position because if they're going to do that, they're going to struggle on defense and they're not going to be able to stop people. That said, one thing that can help Dan Sorensen is the pass rush. I thought that they took a bit of a step forward. I won't say that, um, it's all of one reason. I think um, Frank Clark in particular looked like he felt better. Hamstrings are healing. But um, I, I know you got to hear from Frank after uh, the game here. I, I want to know, is is could Melvin Ingram be the the adjustment the front needed that I thought Jaron Reed was going to be in terms of, of lighting up Chris Jones and, and Frank Clark? It certainly could be. And and I think from, from the conversations, we've had a couple of them now with Frank over the last couple of weeks. And I think one thing that certainly stands out is just that, you know, Frank is feeling better all, all, all over the all over the place. I mean, I don't think it's just, you know, off the field issues that he's feeling better about. Um, it's his health. I mean, he's admitted it, that it was really a struggle over the first part of the season that he was dealing with injuries. And he's talked about the fact that, you know, he really hasn't had to deal with injuries a lot in, earlier in his career and that it's been difficult for him. 
And, you know, and he even made some comments after the game today about the fact that he thought that the, the, the team was having more fun lately than they were having earlier in the year. And, and I think that specifically, you know, is really for him. I mean, I don't think he was having much fun for the first five, six weeks of the season because he was worried about the injury. He had both the hamstring issues and he even admitted, you know, that he was out there, you know, even on the practice field, you know, he makes a turn and he's worried that, you know, he's going to get hurt again. Um, and now that he's got those behind him, I mean, I think you're seeing him playing much more free and easy, much with a lot more energy than he had earlier in the season. And I think it just goes back to, you know, getting him healthy and he's feeling good again. And when he feels good and he's healthy, he's productive on the field. Um, we haven't had the chance to talk to Chris, obviously, since, you know, this game and I didn't get the chance to talk to him after the game where he played more inside than he's played all season. And clearly the addition of Melvin Ingram was a big key to that. You know, you've got Ingram in there. Um, they also had Mike Dana that was playing a lot on the, on the end um, on first and second down. And, and Chris was playing on the inside. And, and Frank at least told us that he says that Chris is happy playing on the inside. That's where his home is. And that's going to be a key. I mean, Chris really wanted to play on the edge. That was a big reason why the chiefs were trying to make it work when they acquired Jared Reed. But now that you got Melvin Ingram, yeah, you know, the need and necessity for, for Jones on the outside isn't as strong. So now if you're able to move him back inside, really the biggest challenge is just that um, Chris and, and Jaron like to line up in the same spot. And, you know, you're going to have to tweak that a little bit now um, since they both like to be three techs and you can't necessarily put three, two, three techs in the field at the same time in the same spot. So um there's a little you know maneuvering that'll have you have to have to go there maybe massage a little bit of egos there um <laughs> but if you can get those four guys on the field together playing productively yeah that's going to change the pass rush quite a bit yeah and one thing i will say when you start looking at pass rush i don't remember how many times i saw it but i did see jones line up his defensive end on one play with i think frank clark lined up a defensive tackle and melvin ingram lined up a defensive end on the other side so they still had all four, you know, those three guys, and I'm not sure who the other defensive tackle was, but I did find it interesting that they had Clark and Ingram on the same side on at least one or two different snaps. I did like that. I think that that's going to be something that they can continue to improve on going forward. Uh, really quick, though, I know we're talking about this game, but how crazy was it to see what happened in the rest of the AFC West today? Yeah, you know, I I, th I thought about making a joke uh, even a couple of weeks ago that when when the Chiefs were really struggling, I'm like, yeah, a typical thing for Kansas City would be to you know, be in this absolute hole. They're in last place in the AFC West, and wait three weeks, and they'll probably be back in back on top of the division in Week 12. You know what? I mean, there's a chance <laughs> they can be in first place a week from now. Yeah, there's a serious a Chargers almost lost today. It was not exactly a wide margin there. There's a lot to be learned, folks. They are technically one game out. And uh, if the Vikings don't blow a 14-point lead against the Chargers next week, which you know that they're going to have, <laughs> they can hold on next week. <laughs> there is All a right, possibility. We, There's a there is a lot to be gleaned. We need to get to game balls. Matt, who are you giving your game ball to? Um, I could go a lot of different directions, but I think I'm going to go where I not started. My guy. Uh, not I'm, my guy. I am. I am I'm taking Legarius. I'm splitting ah! mine between Legarius Sneed and Shavers Ward. <laughs> Those two guys played a fantastic game. Um, they shut down Devontae Adams. Uh, maybe I'll give three quarters of mine to Traveris and a quarter to Legarius since you know, Legarius got the pick and a little bit more love. Uh, Traveris kind of had to do his in, in you know toiling in anonymity, um, but I think he led the, led the human tackles tonight or this afternoon. So, hey. 
He did. Applaud both those those guys for the game that they had. Yeah, I was very impressed by both of those guys. And to watch them continue to grow and to see them get their head around on balls when they're getting thrown on, you know, over-the-shoulder type passes, I think was a big key there. Uh, And I think they're going to be continuing to get better. Ryan, who's yours going to? Since he took your guy, I'll let you go. Well, this is what it all comes down to. I, I think clearly for me, getting back on track goes a long way. And I felt like I saw maturation in Patrick tonight. So I'm, I'm going to give him the game ball, not so much as an overwhelming performance as a, Hey, you finally looks like you got a handle on what you have to do going forward. You can reset, retool your game to fit what you're seeing. And then when you get the chances to take the deep routes again, you can do that. I think if he can settle in, be less frustrated, less, like you said, fixated, Matt, I think that's going to be good. So I'll just take the easy way out and give it to Mahomes. You are taking the easy way out. I'm going to actually kind of do what Matt did, and I'm going to give mine to multiple people. Uh, I'm going to give it to special teams, uh, including Dave Tobe. But I also want to be sure to mention, I want to give it to Tommy Townsend as well. I thought, you know, you say what you want. He has had rough games in Kansas City. Uh, We thought it was going to cost Kansas City a couple different times because he had very bad punts. He was great tonight when he was punting the ball. Uh, Matt, I think you tweeted this out. He only had what one punt that didn't land inside the 20 yard line. And he punted that from his own end zone. Is that correct? Yeah, Exactly. And none of them went in the end zone. None of them were touchbacks. No, thank uh, you, Marcus. thanks to, thanks to Marcus Kemp. <laughs> yep. And, and Chris Lamons. Is that the Lamons. way you pronounce yeah, it? Sure. Yeah. Like, well, they keep saying Lamons on the broadcast. And the other thing I want to point out. Really Troy quick, Aikman ever. It isn't just Aikman. I've heard it on other <laughs> broadcasts as well. So. I'm not sure what there is to that. I just, I think that he did a great job punting. Uh, The other thing I want to say is congratulations to Coach Reed. He hadn't challenged anything so far this season, and he gets Mm -hmm. two tonight. That was big, too. That was very big for Kansas City. Uh, The punt was pretty obvious, and I thought, you know, the fourth down call was pretty spot on as well. So I'm glad he challenged both of those and won both. Well done, Coach. Um, at the end of the day, it, it's a minor victory in six points over a non-starting quarterback, but it's they're above five hundred. Exactly, That's all I gotta say, it, it moves you forward. At the end of the day, it is just about the W's. Matt, thanks for sticking with us here. I know it's late for you. It's been a long day. Thank you, folks, for listening to us. We appreciate you. Like, sub, and hit the bell on YouTube. Leave your iTunes reviews there. We'd like to see what you think of how we're doing and how often we're doing because we're doing everything everywhere. You can get bonus videos and all that kind of stuff on the YouTube channel. We appreciate you taking the time for the three of us. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.